Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today's episode is all about my band, Dead Fucking Serious, and our new album, Squalor. This is hardcore punk shit. It's something that I've been building towards straight away for the last three or four years, but really for my whole life. This is the best punk album I've made in my whole life, and I'm really proud of it, and I can't wait to share it with you. I'm going to sit down with the band and talk about it. Don't be a shy motherfucker with the mic. Keep it all up in your in your fuck hole. It's right? Lip lip touch. I mean you, you don't have to. <laughs> but I put the fuzzy thing on there in case you do, you know? Yeah. But Ooh, those are nice nice bars. See that? That's yeah. hot fire, man. Everything I spit, everything I spit is raw. That's that's back to boom bap. Yeah. Yeah. Dial on dial on dial on. <laughs> All right, so here I have my own motherfucking band, um, Dead Fucking Serious, myself, Kellen. Kellen. And Justin. Justin. The fucking new guy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know. We just wanted to do a little thing, touch base with people before the record drops because um, a lot of people don't know what the fuck we are, firstly, but two... People are starting to figure it out, I think, you know. Been getting a little bit of uh, feedback over the past year or so. Sounds like people are, are into the record, so figure we kind of talk about it, give some background and shit. When would you say that we started this? Like, do you remember? I mean, it kind of all started with the, the split. Band? Well, no, 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 but I mean, because I think... <laughs> do you want to start? back I mean, are we, we going? Can go. We can go. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's I mean, this is it. the DFS You're episode. Right. So. You're right. All right. So, if we're gonna if we're gonna clue you in, let's assume nothing. Basically, um, I was in a hardcore band called This Day's End, and I was really tired of all the uh, fights at shows and the lame metal core bands that we were playing with. And um, I quit that band. And shortly after, I made like a really uh, like as far away from heavy music as I could make kind of record, really mellow. No one fucking cared whatsoever. And so like weeks later, I wrote, uh, I think, seven punk songs. And I just kind of pulled together a band um, to record them. And we called it Dead Fucking Serious. And I think the name was maybe even the first thing before I even wrote any songs. Just like, you know what? I'm going to start a fucking band called Dead Fucking Serious. And it's going to be straight up punk rock, old school hardcore. And um, that's what got my attention. Yeah. <laughs> just, for, just as an outsider at that time. And it didn't last that long um, in the original incarnation because our, our drummer uh, went into the military after just a few months. But we had played some shows by then. And we had a little like handmade CD. We'd actually it sold some. I don't remember uh, modestly, but we did. You know, we did some. Um, we play a lot with uh, you know Broadway calls and some just some of the bands that were kind of like left over, I guess, from this day's end thing. Like Grounds for Assault was running a lot of those shows. And then uh, yeah, at, at our at our going away show, before our drummer moved away, um, got talking with Kellen that night and uh, realized that he's a fucking drummer and the only one who actually knows our songs and cares about this band. So for the last uh, 10 straight years now, it's, it's been almost exactly 10 years, just over. And we've kind of been doing it uh, a lot as a two-piece. Um, what, what do you remember about the... Uh, the early days when you first first joined um i mean it was it was really fun it was it was all kind of new because that was the first i guess this this was like the first actual like rehearsing for shows band you know that was like had momentum of like wanting to record and wanting to make more music more often and stuff and so it was all really fresh to me and really new to me so it was a huge learning experience and getting to play music that I I knew and enjoyed just from just what I enjoyed 
playing and listening to. Um, it was all really fun. I mean, yeah, there was, there was some, uh, stupid stuff that was happening like at shows and everything, but, um, the band itself meant a lot to me cause I learned a lot and I was playing music that I felt really passionate about. So it was, it was all like positive for me back then besides like the stupid shit that was happening at shows. Yeah. It was, it was a weird time for me cause it was something that I was really into, but not a lot. Like that's not what the climate was of hardcore music at the time. No. Like yeah. at all. And so, you know, when True. I start circulating the CD to friends and whatever, I'm getting people saying like, oh yeah, it sounds like seven seconds or something like, can you imagine, you know, all these like victory records, copycat bands coming through, you know, kicking people in the face and, you know, having a guitar strap that's made out of a giant chain and, you know, stuff like that. Like, yeah, it seemed like the focus changed from spreading ideas and being positive to just kind of doing whatever you felt like you wanted to do in a very well not even that but like just showing off your masculinity and your yeah i guess yeah like it was just it became like locker room macho shit and and that was really bad for the band because we'd play on those bills and you'd get this like i always noticed when we would go on it seemed like the the people start pulling up to the front for the next band but i could not help but focus on all the other people that would literally leave the room (laughs) when we were setting up like before we even started they were like oh these fucking guys you know and we just leave and um i feel like that was the beginning of like my sammy warm hands stage persona because i would like see people go like sit in the corner or in the back or whatever and i would just like heckle them and you know, <laughs> play the set like angrily at the people in the back for some reason. Huh. Um, and it really bothered me that nobody, nobody cared, but I feel like fast forward, um, quite a few years and I start hearing, you know, these young hardcore punk bands again, that remind me of shit I was listening to, you know, back in high school. And it's like, okay, things are finally coming around. So I think we might actually have, you know, a better chance at being received this time. Because by the end of it, and when I say the end of it, we threw in the towel in uh, January 2008. We, we re- released another recording and stopped playing. And up until that point, I was just getting more and more burned out on the whole thing. Because it was really fun when we're in this room playing and being creative. When we were on the stage, it was just like... I felt like nobody fucking cared. I felt like I played bigger shows in eighth grade <laughs> and it was just pissing me off. And so coming back, I don't know, I guess I have a lot more optimism again. Maybe like when we started and I'll be crushed entirely, but <laughs> but the stakes aren't as Maybe, high. But yeah, this I, time. I, I think it's a different, it's a different playing field yeah. where we're coming into now. And I think it'll be, I have hopes that it'll be, and I have high spirits that it'll be received well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Now, while we were going through that shit, you were playing in, um, ACO, mm-hmm. right? That's Angel City Outcast. Yes. In that band, you were like touring bass player. Is that right? Yeah. Um, 2000, 2007, 2008, played guitar starting and then there was a few lineup changes and then started playing bass. So, yeah. And you were you were on some of the the records too, right? Yeah, or, I was on the last album, uh, Five okay. Grands West. Yeah. Since you lived in different, you lived in different states at least as long as I've known you. Yeah. You and the band, you would kind of commute to work with them. But like, how did that come to be that you were in that band? Um, so I, my senior year of high school, um, I was playing in a few different bands that I usually fronted. Um, and I kind of just got tired of doing all the work and, uh, I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, without, you know, sounding too egotistical, I knew that what I, the level that I was playing at was, was able to kind of take me somewhere, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I just, I remember seeing ACO come through the tiny little town of Medford where I was (laughs) and Grants Pass area and all that. And, uh, 
I just I thought they were like I don't know it, they played this shitty little venue. It's not even open anymore. But I just remember the, like the the nostalgia and and the uh, just how awesome it was to be at like a punk rock show. You know where like just crazy shit went down all the time. And anyway, they played and it was fucking amazing. And uh, I was like, man, I I could totally see myself playing guitar for this band. So like shot in the dark, I totally. Um, one day I got on there. I think it was MySpace at the time, and saw that they were lacking a guitar player. And I just randomly messaged them and I was like, Hey, would you guys like me to come down and try out for this? And I did, I had an uncle and a grandma that lived down in the area. And so, uh, next thing I knew I was doing high school online and I was living in orange County and playing in a touring band at, you know, barely 18 years old. That's fucking rad, man. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean the closest dude to my age was, uh, the singer Alex, he was 27. So everybody else was in their thirties. And, uh, I, I think I was just, I was tired of the, um, like non committal, you know, members of the bands. And, uh, so I wanted to be in a project that was doing things all the time. And so that was, that was kind of my, my push to go into that band. So we started touring, we got signed to a label in Germany. We were doing European tours all the time. And we kind of got to the point where, um, when I moved back up to Oregon, um, we weren't really playing, they weren't really doing a lot of local shows. Um, you know, they played LA so many times it was kind of like almost pointless to keep playing over and over and over again. So we were just, we would basically get together, for two weeks, like before a tour and just practice a bunch. And then we would go out and, and just do big long tours, you know, month and a half, two months, sometimes like, you know, big stuff. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the commuting part really. It wasn't, you know, I would fly down we would rehearse beforehand and go out. Yeah. That's kind of cool that both of you guys kind of just said the same thing in different, like in different ways, but you're, kind of one of the younger ones in the room at this show really mm-hmm. digging it both end up joining the band that you went to see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here we are years later i think that's cool man that's uh i totally get what you're saying too about at that age really wanting to do something with it and the people around you not necessarily yeah. being that motivated it's like they want they want to be there already, kind of, but they don't want to do the work yep. to get there. Yeah, I feel like that's that's really hard, especially when you're younger. You know, I've definitely gone through my share of lineup changes and band breakups. I mean, I mean, shit. The only reason that this thing in DFS has lasted is because of me and Kellen. You know, because um, I started it with uh, Chris Wilson, who was my bassist. We played together for like eight years by that point he was basically most mostly out of the picture since we reformed in 2012 you know he would show up like on the day that we would record or something that was him in in high school too you know he uh, as much as the band was doing stuff and whatever there were always other things in life and i couldn't deal with that like i hated that shit and so stripping this thing down to a two piece i feel like was the best thing we could have done for the for the writing process creatively you know to actually like just be in a room and fucking make music because otherwise it's so hard when we're all older and have our jobs and i mean at the time it was all three of us lived in different cities right now you're the you're the odd one out because you're about a half hour away Something like that? I guess 45 minutes, but whatever. Yeah, that sucks. It makes things difficult, but it's not nearly as difficult as all three of us being in different cities. You know, we have you and Corvallis and Chris up in Portland. I think we got just so used to playing the two of us. And we'd done other records together. We'd Bear Cub and Counterclockwise and yeah, whatever else. Though. Like, we just, we know how to I pl- think that's, work. that's the biggest thing, yeah, is that we is that you and I can bounce ideas back and forth so fast that at least when DFS has been going through, like when DFS has been going through this like weird up and down, not doing anything, doing stuff. Yeah. Whenever it would be like in work mode, it would just be like, boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how fast the, the split with the illusionist came together, but it seemed like all that stuff was, like when it came down to recording, maybe writing, I guess, took a little while, but some of the songs were kind of older. I mean, really, that was all that was all old songs and a cover, except for Last One Standing. So right. 
Um, I feel like that song came together really fast, though. Yeah, I think that was one that I wrote and demoed, I believe. Uh, I, I believe there's yeah. a version of me drumming it. Yes. Um, and, you know, we hadn't played together in four years. Everyone comes and meets up. We attempt to record everything without practicing, and there was a malfunction uh, with the recording, and so we basically had a practice and then recorded the next day, and that was it. And it was like, holy shit, like, we actually captured the fucking live awesomeness of the band, you know? Yeah. Like, the coolest thing of the band was the was the energy and that just really pure old school hardcore thing right and we got it and then it was like all right see you later and then you know we put out the ep digitally and we'd have people going do you guys want to play a show on 15th at such and such <laughs> i'm like um no <laughs> i like I'm, yeah, i'll ask them yeah. you know or like other times i wouldn't even ask i'd just be like that doesn't even sound like it's worth all the effort and yeah, it, was, it still wasn't you the know. right time to come back out into the world, I don't think. Yeah. As like a live band. Because I was like heavy in the illusionists and you had Facing Extinction going heavy and like everyone. Yeah. You and know, Rivals and, at the time too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Rivals. And Chris wasn't playing music at all. He was uh, uh, doing his culinary thing. I can't remember if at the time, I think he was a sous chef at the time. He was just like working, you know, 80 yeah. hours a week and yeah. some crazy shit. And it's like, all right, well, this is... <laughs> When we reformed, it was like, all right, so we'll just do this whenever we feel like it. Yeah. And then... That's true. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah. And over time, I started doing those Stolen Songs records and really enjoying playing guitar again. And I think that's that was really the catalyst in going, okay, I've got a new idea. And then you and I get together and, oh, well. And then I had this new demo to listen to and I get all excited about it. Right. And write another one. And it just kind of snowballed i mean i i don't want to make it seem like it happened quickly because it was definitely over the course of you know probably probably three years yeah at least i i keep forgetting that actually that it's been like more of a recording project than anything up until the past you know so months yeah and i think that's part of the reason that i don't really know um you know what what the reception will be or what the expectation is for this it seems like there's interest there um, just from the people in my circle, but it's definitely not left this room at all, except, I mean, digitally it has, right. Know? But we, uh, yeah, we haven't been on stage at all. And whenever we'd get an offer, it just like, eh, I don't, I don't know. You know, it just seemed too hard to, to figure out. And, um, once Chris kind of was like, you know, you write everything anyway, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, just fill just me in, you know, <laughs> yeah. just fill me in. And I'd fill him in. And then eventually he stopped listening to the demos. And I was like, do you hear that yet? No. Call him again. Do you hear that yet? Oh, shit. No, I've been really busy. I'm like, all right, we're just going to do this record. Is that cool? And he was like, oh, yeah, go ahead. He's like, I just want to get on stage. Yeah. You know, and then once we got to the point, like, all right, we're ready to get on stage. He's like, cool. Uh, Might be kind of hard, but I want to do it. I was like, well, we have 16 new songs you have to learn. He's like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, um, Love you, Chris. But, but the, um, that process was, was great. And I think part of the reason that the record is so good, in my opinion, um, I mean, because we set, we set the bar really high. We weren't going to work quickly. We were going to, however long it took to make the best, record that we'd ever made you know that was kind of the goal right and so um i think that part of the reason it turned out so good was the fact that we didn't just do like a reunion album where you get back together and work on a thing for a month and put it out because i it would have been entirely different than what we got you know yeah i think when you when you approached me about making an actual record as like like not to rehash anything to just like make the record that we always wanted to make yeah, and make it the best that we ever could. And then, you know, if it fizzles out for whatever reason, we at least have that. 
that totally. was like that was like where it started at least that's how you approached it to me if i remember correctly yeah it was like and like, i was like, like let's I, make this I totally thing dig that because because the split showed that we could do it yeah. but that you know the, you get f- five songs on one side of an ep that are you know collectively what you know four minutes <laughs> yeah. you know or something it's it like, was basically a seven inch that wasn't a seven inch yeah totally <laughs> and and so uh you know we have this little thing and we're like fuck like that there's something still there you know and uh at the same time i, I was preparing to um to write that book famous last words when i was working on that like in 2014 to come out 2015 i was like dude in this entire huge body of work that I have, I don't have like right now I, I, you know, people ask me what I do. I say I'm an MC, you know, primarily, but you know, for years and years and years and years and years, I'm a punk musician. That's what I do. And 90% of what I listen to is that, you know? So I felt like it was fucked up that I'm writing this whole analysis of my time with take 92. And I don't have one, full length that's just a badass punk record i was like that's fucked up and so when we set out to do it that is fucked up right (laughs) (laughs) and and so we when we set out to do it the fact that we didn't have time right then it was our biggest asset because what you have is a record with a lot of variety on it like somehow we were able to just figure out this is the intensity it should be, but the tempos are different. You know, the, the the riffs are different. I mean, you could group maybe some of these songs together, some of those songs together, and maybe there's like three different kind of, you know, subgenre styles, I guess, that we kind of have, but spread out through the whole record and sometimes chopped up within song. I didn't want to make it like techie, like Wilhelm Scream or like Pears where you're like jumping in and out of genre or something you know oh that's something we talked about remember when it was like yeah okay where where do we want this to go because by the time we broke up in in 2008 it was like we had gone in this more melodic like skate punk direction and we're like this is not no it was more it was more frustrating for than fun at least for me well and and i thought a lot of it was cool like i can still go back to that and listen to it and be like fuck this this could have been a really good record um if the hard drive hadn't crashed <laughs> and been put out as roughs, there's cool stuff there. However, it's totally not a DFS record. Yeah. Like that was some weird side project or something, you know? And so when we came back, it was like, all right, we, we figured out what we wanted to do with the split. And on top of that, Polanski was going to come back, actually. Because Ben Ben Polanski was our original, well, I, I guess I call him second guitarist because I would play on the records. But he was the only guitarist live for quite a while. Yeah. He but, played guitars. Yeah, and he was the one who added a lot of that more um, melodic stuff, more technical stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. He he canceled on us the night before we recorded the split. He was supposed to be there. And he backed out. And I remember right after we recorded, we were like, wow, we just did all these songs in one eight-minute stretch of tape. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe that was good. And it's just stripped down. Yep. Short, fast. Super fast. To the point. No layers of, yep. you know, extra stuff. No bullshit. Yeah. And so when we're coming back and making these new songs, it was like, all right, well, we got to capture that energy. We got to make it sound a lot better. It was like, let's, let's make the riffs straight up simple punk rock and try to just do interesting things with the arrangement. You know, if we, if, like, if we can be clever with if we can be clever with the way that we put the songs together, then we won't have to do that like techie shit to make it interesting for ourselves, you know? Right. And so I, th- I think it's cool. You can hear like, Oh, there's a little, you know, no effectsy riff. Oh, there's kind of an agnostic front. There's, you know, and it just kind of like, it's all rolled into one without feeling like we're constantly changing gears. Yeah. It's, it's, it's splashing that influence without overstaying its welcome on all the songs. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I wish, I wish that like, um, blank check, for example, I feel like is a great song. It would totally be like 
I want to put that out as like the first single, but it's also like slow considering the the rest of the, <laughs> yeah. the album being so fast, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple like deviations in there that totally fit when you're listening to the CD, but I wouldn't necessarily, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh yeah, this is what the band sounds like. Right. And yet in context, it all totally works. So it was kind of, it's kind of cool just since we, we would do maybe one or two songs at a time that you they all kind of have a time stamp on them and yet they all have that you know raw energy to it it's cool what did you think when you heard the uh the demos and stuff musically because you're saying it was a lot faster than what you were doing with aco and oh yeah yeah um i mean yeah but people always ask me what they sounded like and i would always say like i guess if if you could if you could blend like punk rock with ACDC, you know, it's a lot more like Rocky, you know? Yeah. And, uh, dun, so, dun, yeah, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I first heard it, um, I, I just remember, uh, like, like I was saying earlier when we were talking about it, just uh, my first thought was just, man, this is going to be fucking awesome to play live. It's going to be so rad. And, uh, blank check was actually one of the ones that really stood out to me. It's mm. funny. You said that we had actually even like, talked about it for a bit about like what we were going to release as a single and all that and i actually thought that would be a great one to release but it, i do agree with you i think that it might give the wrong impression you yeah know? releasing a song that sounds a little bit different than the other you know the rest of the album but um like it's the same thing for shrapnel too like i, I feel yeah. like shrapnel would be an awesome one to put out yeah but also like that style of guitar playing is unique to that song right so but i think it all fits in together pretty well honestly like i i've you know in coming in and being you know kind of the third wheel the the dude that has to learn all the shit that you guys already knew and had recorded yeah it gives me a little bit more of an outside perspective and i can say honestly that uh i you know i had to sit down and learn every song and i went through learning each one of them and like all 16 of them played pretty seamlessly together and i didn't go you know oh this one sounds fucking weird here or this one doesn't sound like it belongs or it all sounded like it belonged there was just you use the word raw and i like that i think that's that's a good it was very stripped down there wasn't a ton of you know layering and nonsense and it was just it was it's nice it's it's yeah raw and uh aggressive and uh I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was I'm, great. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting when, I think part of the reason that it is so stripped down is because, you know, all the melodic instruments on on the CD is just me. And so had you come in, you know, a year ago, you know, it it probably would sound different or had, had yeah, Chris absolutely. been able to be around, you know, it probably would sound different in the way that, you know, we play off of each other and whatever. But it also just kind of makes it work you know me and kellen have been dfs for so long that it just i feel like it almost needed to be that way yeah. you know yeah. and i'm excited about where we take it after yeah but i feel like for the the re-emergence like that like even even polanski offered to play on it and i was like no i'm gonna play on it you know and it was like well if you need if you need a you know a bass player live and I'm like, wow, I really appreciate that because I know you don't want to do it at all. He's like, no, I don't. Uh, he goes, but I know it's important to you guys. And um, I was like, no, actually, we got a guy. And um, I thought that was cool, too, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get you. Yeah. Um, because we had talked about it, like, in passing a couple times. And, you know, I think I'm, it was years ago, too. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was like I saw the Luckies for, like, 10 minutes and then you hit me up when I had just gotten back from that trip to New Zealand and you were like, mm-hmm. I was back for like two days and you were like, Hey, I got something, you know, in the works, hit me up when you get back. And I was like, I wonder if he was talking about that one thing we talked about yeah. years and years ago. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think I mentioned it to you like once a year for yeah. about three years. And originally what I thought it was, was you would, the way you had worded it, I had thought that you wanted me to go and do a tour and yeah. didn't realize that you wanted a member to the band. Well, <laughs> I, well, at the time, maybe I did. I don't know because yeah. I, I think at the first sign of, Chris's, um, I won't say disinterest, but his unavailability, I was thinking, okay, I need to find someone who, you know, will be down to take this out and promote it because, you know, I love making records and this is what I live to do, but I've learned many, many times that if you don't take it out on the road, no one's going to fucking hear it. Right. And if 
someone is just unavailable to come, then I need to find someone who can do that. So maybe that's what I was thinking at the time. Maybe I was thinking as a touring musician. I feel also with uh, everybody, it's with technology where it's at, there's a fuck ton of bands that just sit in a room and record and just put out shit and don't actually go and put it in front of people's faces. And that was um, one of the things with like, you know, like I said, that was nostalgic for me with like punk rock is like going and getting in people's faces and like, it's it's a bodily experience. It should be something you, you know, a live show. There's nothing more magical. (laughs) Oh, completely. Yeah. And you can listen to something on record and be like, this is fucking awesome and see it live. And it's tenfold, you know, it's just so much better. This music is definitely where it thrives in a live setting too. Like you're saying, like a record can hit it every single time. Like, yeah. But when you experience that live, when there's just like, you know, sweat and energy and, you know, all the shit going down, like that's where this music lives, I feel like. And so uh, being, being approached to have it as like a live setting, I think probably was an appeal, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that... um planting that seed early on definitely helped in I don't think we necessarily expected to lose him altogether at first but um when we when when you and I did that stolen songs and you played guitar on the uh the Blink-182 record that we did I thought I hadn't played with anyone who was so prepared yeah and just knew the shit and so after we did that it solidified like I I remember saying to Kellen like so I really think that the there's nobody that's going to be better than Justin for this because yeah. like after seeing that it was like okay as long as he can play a bass like he can play that guitar um, much like better if actually he, yeah. if he comes that prepared <laughs> I was like this is going to be great and yeah I, I, part of that is just me being like a little bit neurotic like but also part of it came from when I was talking about being younger and playing in bands where I felt like I was doing all the work is nobody yeah. likes that dude that shows up and can't remember what song you know like is that the one that starts like one two three four or which one you know was that guitar that started that song or, you Kellen know, <laughs> fucking Kellen <laughs> no, there's nothing more frustrating than getting together and like trying to do a group project and having one dude who's not doing their homework, you know? So that was the whole, like, you know, we did the stolen songs. I was like, you know, we had a member that uh, we had, showed up completely we the, unprepared. And the I was guy like, who suggested you. it fucked up the whole thing <laughs> and had to be replaced. I love, I love Aiden. I will say that. But, uh, yeah. Oh, you can't say that and then say his name. No, oh, no. <laughs> I'm calling you out, Aiden. He's like on the East Coast somewhere listening to this. Um, but yeah, I wanted to be prepared. And, uh, when you hit me up to do DFS, it was like, oh shit, like they're ready to go already. Album's done. They know the songs. And I was like, I got like a couple months to figure this out, but I did it and I'm here. The funny thing is we didn't really know the songs because, you know, we sounded like we would record them, (laughs) you know, we, we would record them. I would record it the day that I wrote the thing and then send it to him. And then, you know, he'd come in here a month later and we'd record it again together and then you know, we would not play it again ever. And the next time I would demo something, he would come down and we would play that song. And then we'd never play the old ones again. Yeah. And so, or the old new ones. <laughs> and so, uh, as we were piecing it together, I think we had three rehearsals before we tracked the, the CD. Uh, three or four. I mean, it was not much. It was not much. It was... Because we had a time crunch before I went on tour and before you went away um, for your job. Yes. And it was like, fuck, well, now, I guess. Now or never. <laughs> yeah, pretty much now or never. Or now or later, but and, later wasn't um, an option. Yeah, and it just kind of came at a good time when I was like, well, I'm done with all my rap records. We got to It was time. Squeeze this in. And, yeah. and so, so we really did just kind of pull this record out of our asses in terms of the the learning and and recording everything having you come in clean or fresh and have to like learn everything was like kind of a relief to me because i felt like (laughs) my first couple rehearsals with everybody were not good either (laughs) well if it felt like we were actually getting to know the songs more once justin came in like that's that's when it really felt like the songs were becoming like okay okay you know you get the feeling of it like in a live setting as everybody's playing at the same time and then it really sets in like we knew the songs we've known them so much because we were rehearsing them a bunch yeah but then when we were all playing in the same room and getting to feel that 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 live energy that's when it was like okay yeah like complete, th- this is how changed. these songs are going yeah and it was weird because i got so used to playing as a two-piece and just doing the recordings you know and layering all the parts myself 
that you know that that just became normal but as soon as we were in the room with the bass and the drums and the guitar i was like oh shit we're a real band all, again all smiles yeah we're a real band again um let's talk about the um You're welcome uh let's talk about the uh the blasting room thing um because one of the other goals when i sat down was like we need to make the best record we can and um and i really want to do it at you know my favorite studio and that's the blasting room because they do all the great stuff for fat wreck and everybody else nitro and it was like um Ended up talking to Bill Stevenson. It was just like an egregious amount of money for our kind of shoestring budget. And then we're like, all right, well, I bet if we just work on it, like these demos are sounding so good. I bet that I can just take my time and really do a nice job on the engineering and have have them mix it there. Jason Livermore mix and master it at the blasting room. And we were like finishing the tracks and I'm going, okay, I have like a grand, um, and this is nothing compared to what we need right now. I was like, okay, but it's still going to happen because I'm so fucking stubborn. It's like, no, it's going to happen. I'll fucking figure it out somehow. And then, you know, two back-to-back tours and a new a, a new CD, uh, Rare Form, came out and all this stuff back-to-back. And I was like, all right, well, that's totally out of the picture. So I remember uh, first playing my own like rough mix for you guys like okay tracks are done uh i just did a quick pass on everything what do you think and just your fucking face was all that i needed to be like all right i can do this and uh i just needed to hear that that first bow you know like when everybody comes in and yeah it's like, yeah okay this is a great sounding record <laughs> like i didn't need to hear anything else so it's just like i already could tell that it was it came together so well. I was like nudging Justin, like, look at his fucking face right now. Like, <laughs> you were just, you look like a kid on Christmas morning. And I was like, all right, this is the greatest reaction I could possibly get right now. Like, cool. I'm I'm just going to do it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm glad that you did, too, because I, I, I think that, uh, like, g- going to the blasting room would have been quite quite the experience, probably the experience that we would have with this band to to experience how like that sort of studio does this but i i think with your knowledge over the years and how well you've been recording like full band settings to like take a stab at like okay i think i can i can i can get this done you know like you can you you pulled it off and it sound sounded so good just mixed that it's like yeah this was it was a good way to prove that like we could all or that we could make like a record that sounded really good on our own yeah and then have the finishing touches done by somebody that we trust could do a good job yeah totally because i yeah i was i wasn't sure we were getting pretty far along and it was like okay uh you know this is sounding great but like i've done 12 versions of this mix i've agonized over it i think it sounds awesome but like at this point, I'm way too far. I've heard this way too many fucking times to even try to do the mastering. So it was like, okay, we'll send it to Jason for, for the mastering and have him just finish it off. And that was great. And he was cool. He let me, you know, like do a little change on the bass guitar and send it back in. And, and, um, I really appreciated that. But yeah, I think you're right. Like the fact that we, we spent so long and we, we recorded the tracks with in mind that, we're going to send it to a really high end place to mix. We got to make sure our tracks sound really, really perfect, you know? And, and I mean that in a technical way, not in a, in a playing way. Cause for the performances, we literally did like nine songs in two hours. Um, like all the fastest hardcore shit we just did. Like we were recording all day and we're like, this sucks. Let's take a break. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we ate food and we're like, all right, you want to throw all that shit away and just play the fast ones? Like, yeah, yeah cool. And we did that and was like, oh, wow. I think we just got the two-thirds of the album done. Right. So it wasn't like that. We were just trying to capture, like, the, the fucking the essence, the energy, you know. But we made sure that every single, you know, every tom was dialed in right and, and you know, the guitars were, that everything was, was sounding perfect. 
from an engineering standpoint. And um, I think having done that, we ended up with some some awesome shit that not only captured our, our energy, but it gave me better sounding tracks to mix. And, you know, the whole thing just kind of came together. Yeah. What about the artwork? Because that was kind of cool, too. Um, yeah, Winston. The The first CD I ever bought was a punk CD was Insomniac by Green Day. And if if you've ever seen it, it has this huge, like, fold-out collage artwork that's just bizarre as shit, you know? It's like there's a, a lemur and a guy, you know, like an army man pulling a fucking gun out of a fridge and handing it to his baby at the table. And there's just, like, all these strange-ass things. But it looks so fucking crazy. And... um I noticed that that was the same guy who had done some of the Dead Kennedys stuff uh, that's just so iconic. You know, if we're trying to make the quintessential, you know, DFS record or quintessential punk rock record of our lives, that was immediately the first thing I thought of visually was like that, that style is punk rock. That like hand cut and paste, you know, chaos and, and, taking like the traditional you know 50s american family values and you know taking a big dump on it like i just i thought that was the only direction to go and what i imagine is that we would be copying it in some way doing you know doing our own version that's kind of in that style and i found him online and uh you know he has his own website uh, i think it's just winstonsmith.com and he's got a lot of his work on there you can just buy. And so I kind of kept that in mind for like a year. I was, I would, I would look over his art on there and be like, well, you can, you know, buy a print for this much. I wonder what he would cost for, uh, you know, like a custom thing. And so when I hit him up, uh, he was like, you know, what is your budget? Cause my prices range from this thing you can't afford to this thing you really can't afford. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Great. That sucks. And so, you know, I kind of told him, I was like, you know, I, I am my own label. It's a, you know, one, well, I guess two man operation, uh, my brother Travis as well, but there's a limited budget in this case, but I thought it was worth a shot. You know, here's, here's the demo of lost, you know, see what we sound like. And he, he just like reacted so surprisingly good to the material like I, I remember standing in my kitchen reading the emails to you like are you seeing this shit like you know he fucking loved the song and and yeah wasn't he even that might have been after that but then he even come up with like a quick like mock-up of what he thought he, yeah he yeah he do. hand drew um because i i told him there was a couple things on the website that he had this whole like postcard series um that was called welcome to oblivion and it, and if you look at squalor it's got that kind of old school postcard vibe with the lettering but above it, you know, over um, on the left corner, it would say, like, welcome to, and it'd be, a, like, Oblivion or fucking, you know, I, I can't remember some of the other words that he used, but uh, there's a whole series of them, and each one is totally unique, you know, hand-cut art, and I just pointed to that and a couple other things on his site that I liked, and he's like, well, those are relatively easy for me to do if you like that style, like... He goes, I like your your album title, Squalor. He's like, we well, just make the title like huge and the band name small, you know, and do it in that style. And I was like, is this really happening right now? <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And um, I remember when he sent the files, he's like, all right, I hope you like it. He goes, I tried to come up with the, uh, he's like, I can't remember how you worded it. He was like, I agonized over trying to find like the grossest, most disgusting yeah. <laughs> background image that I yeah. could. And uh, he called it an orgy of eels, what he used. And when I first looked at it, I was like, that's fucking gross. I, I don't like that. <laughs> like zoomed Sold. in and start, start looking at all yeah. the stuff on there. And I was like, oh man, that's so rad or whatever. And then I like zoom back out and look at the whole thing. I was like, it's actually perfect because <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of the material is so just, I don't know, at least to me, I think un- kind of unsettling. The things I wouldn't necessarily write on a record where my rap vocals are all clean and <laughs> present and in the front, you know, yeah, 
and uh having sent him the demos and and you know he had a good idea of it and I, <laughs> like again it totally grossed me out when i first saw it but it's kind of perfect yeah it's i like how collage art in general but especially how he just goes so in depth like you were saying and like does has every little piece that he like specifically picks for it and how just deep you can just stare at it and just like get all this new stuff constantly out of it yeah every time i look closely at those letters i'm seeing things that i don't remember seeing yeah it's awesome and he like when he was describing like when he sent the files he would describe and this is a guy kicking sand into a kid's face that's from yeah this ad and like this that. is a yeah. uh, you know from this magazine from the yeah. whatever and it's <laughs> like man like how the fuck and, and yeah it's 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 cool how much you can you can get out of just a simple looking piece and, yeah um, well and just the how transparent he was keeping everything about it too like stuff that he didn't even have to tell you you know like like oh this is from a 1955 consumer products magazine or something yeah. like that you know it's like that's awesome that's so cool that he would put like all these little points of like oh this is where this came from and this is where it was going and like all that stuff is really cool and i i felt really excited just when we first started talking because when um the i think the first or second email i got from him you know i told him that um that insomniac was you know one of the first cds i ever got and and how I just always always loved his his style of artwork, and he responds with this story about how he made that collage and sending me like all these other like Jello Biafra things he does or that he's done that aren't on the website and whatever. But he tells me a story about how the uh, the Green Day album was named after the song Tightwad Hill, and when he turned in the artwork he had them do the lettering afterward and they were on some like crazy deadline and they asked like how did you even pull this off in time and he's like oh i stayed up for three days straight working on this to get it in and they're like oh my god like that's unbelievable he's like it's okay i'm an insomniac and and he he said like he didn't think anything of it and they didn't say anything about it and then when the shit came out it was called Insomniac because they did the lettering. So like he would have never even seen that p- part of it. I was like, dude, you just gave me like a piece of fucking rock history that no one knows, you know, like that, that, that just made me so happy and it showed like the kind of dude he was. So, uh, like that, that being my introduction to working with Winston was great. And like all of our correspondence was great like you know like you said he's just very generous with the details and drawing sketches and every little you know piece and and well and he actually left the uh the borders of the letters open there they were blank and uh he said that i could fill it in with whatever color i wanted and so i went through a million versions we had like a gross green you remember that one yeah it's like weird skate punk green gross like yeah <laughs> like 80s like weird neon green yeah I, I was trying something like i just w- wanted it to be awful like in the in the way that, <laughs> that the imagery is and then the title and um i had, i just wasn't liking any solid colors and so i i found this great image of a fire and so i kind of photoshopped it in there but then I, I started fucking with the properties of it and getting it to look more like the um, kind of washed out old timey color palette that he is working with. Eventually I got to a point that I liked it and I was nervous as to what he would say because I didn't do exactly what he said, you know, and then he didn't respond to my email. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's been like a week. Like I in that bridge yeah i was like <laughs> shit did i go too far or something you know it's like because i was thinking like give me convenience or give me death you know with all the, the fiery shit and the reagan and all that and i just thought um that it was perfect so i texted him and like oh yeah it's awesome sorry i forgot to tell you i was like oh thank god <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh man i think i think every aspect of of the record came out as good or better than we ever wanted yeah i mean goal goal achieved from the beginning you know it's it's the record that i think we wanted to make and it sounds 
beyond what I ever thought it was going to be. And the artwork is great. And now like a live crew sounds amazing. It's like, it's exponentially getting better. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't yeah. wait to take it on the road, man. Cause yeah, definitely. Um, as much as I enjoy the, uh, rap tours, um, and I'm not looking forward to blowing my ears out with, uh, you know, four or five bands a night, but, um, it's been super fun just to fucking thrash around my guitar in here and get my voice back to where I can just scream like that anytime. You know, it's been awesome. Um, I wanted to mention the, because uh, cause you encouraged me to do the uh, lyric book. Yes. Which we weren't originally going to do. And I, I don't often do. But then you realize that you wanted people to actually understand what you're saying. <laughs> well, I was... There's some shit where I intentionally, like, made it more gnarly so you couldn't necessarily understand what I was saying. You know, there's a couple of those parts. And uh, I can't remember what you said, but you said something about the lyrics being important to the to the album. Yeah. Well, the way that it, the record was coming together was... Um, I mean, the band name is dead fucking serious. This record is coming from a lot of heavy feelings and emotions that to not give like a, a, a typed out, you know, version of what the song, where the songs are coming from to like really feel it. Um, cause I, I've definitely had, um, albums where I was like, man, I really wish that I could like follow along almost you know like yeah because when you when you hear somebody screaming it's like man they're coming from like this really darker or whatever place you know and then when you're reading along with it hearing those words coming out and feeling it at the same time it's like oh man it you it like solidifies your like connection to the song at I, least for me i feel that and yeah i think that it was almost necessary to have it for this record i think that that's one thing that we can all like relate to. I remember being like a kid sitting in a room and pulling out like the insert to the CD and reading everything. Kids don't fucking do that at all anymore. It's like a digital download, one song by that artist and they don't listen to anything else. Yeah. It's fucking so frustrating. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and especially this kind of shit where you need a little extra help sometimes behind all the feedback and whatever else. Uh, to figure out what the fuck is wrong with this guy. Um, it's cool. But, um, you know, it's also it's also like, I try to make sure that in the performances that it is doing justice to the lyrics because, like, when I quit hardcore in that first solo, like, I, don't, I never know what to call that, the kind of music that I do on the side. It's like acoustic rock something i don't know what to call it but um on that record sequel of me i had a song that was kind of like my fuck you letter to the scene and i said uh you know i'm not screaming for style i feel it every show you know and and that that's on a record where there is no screaming but um i feel like that's that's so important on this one that even when I had finished everything on on the last day. My voice was like super gnarly and I like went back and redid songs that were totally finished because I I thought like they they could sound better. And even when I was in the middle of... Uh, no, even when I was finishing mixing, I was on my last version and I was like, that part's bothering me. It's not like guttural it's not like raw enough you know and um so there's a couple parts i literally went in weeks no months later yeah because i did all that shit in the summer we did all the tracking this summer and then i just mixed this in the fall yeah so i went in literally months later recalled the old settings and would go and scream harder on you know a couple of choruses or whatever because i felt like it wasn't it wasn't there and um you know musically we talked about that being there but it took me a while to break into my voice again and figure out how to 
I don't know, really just get comfortable with being there again. I don't want to say anything about it, really, but the uh, like the first words on the album, that's a doozy. <laughs> you know, like the the just and there's a reason why that's the first song, you know, because it's like, holy shit, this is how dark we're going right out of the gate. You know, like that. I couldn't. I don't know. I felt like I couldn't make it subtle. Like, let's just fucking dive right into it. And, um, you know, Shrapnel has another good example of just that one line that kind of sums up the whole record. Like, I miss the hope I had in my younger days before it blew up in my face. And that is the same exact thing that I was feeling when I started this band. You know, is that like, well, it's all over. At least I have punk rock, you know? So I felt like doing that justice was, was super important. And I, I'm just fucking proud of it, man. Like you said early on, if nobody buys it, we got a great fucking album that we can look back and listen to forever and be like, yeah, but we made that, you know? I think it's cool as like an outside party to you know i wasn't on the record and stuff to be able to like hear sh- hear you talk about it that you did way. some backup vocals oh yeah yeah I, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I, I guess i forgot i did that yeah. yeah yeah i am on this fucking record um but i think one of the things i've known you for a long time now um yeah. we used to work together and shit but uh one of the things i always really it, you know without getting too lovey-dovey here with you but i would never accuse you of doing that with me. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the things I always really admired about you was um, just like the raw emotion and feeling that you do put into like all of your music. And I think it's, it's cool that you can look back at it and say that you've, you know, you've gone back in and re-recorded things that didn't feel the way you wanted it to feel. I don't think a lot of musicians and a lot of people, um, I think a lot of you, when you said you don't, you know, you're not screaming for style, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, I, I think that, um, uh, well, I, and that's a weird thing to say on a <coughs> hardcore record where there's almost no singing. Yeah. Well, but the, it's true. There's also other songs on this album that you don't actually entirely scream on. Your voice is just slightly more aggressive because it probably did not feel right to do so. But um, I think, I can't remember if it was like Lucky's or Black Forest. I remember being at a, at a show of yours um, and I think you covered like a Rage Against the Machine song. And that was, was at the Black Forest. Yeah. yeah. And there was not that many people there. And I remember you just going fucking nuts, <laughs> screaming, and it got kind of awkward, and people got kind of quiet for a minute. And it was so funny because, like, normally I think I would have felt kind of awkward, but it was just like the fact that you would put so much, like, just fucking raw, aggressive, like I'm five inches from your face, just emotion into it. I just loved how awkward it felt and how everybody in the room kind of felt it at the same time. And it just, it was just cool to see, you know, regardless of how many people were there or whatever it was, it was, you still put that energy and that emotion into it regardless. I think it was, it was, it was cool. But yeah, that's like, like I said, that's one of the things I've always really admired about you and, and any kind of the music that you do, you know? Thanks, man. I, I love that you actually say that from that specific night because there's no footage of that show. And it was the there only... Here. Yeah, right? <laughs> and and it was the only time that that lineup ever performed. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was the day after my mother-in-law died, yeah. which is why I had all this shit to get out. And I do remember that. Like, I don't remember any of the show except for that song. Yeah. I remember playing the Rage song. I did the guitar solo with the Tom Morello whammy pedal. And then I threw my guitar at the ground and turned the pedal all the way up and just started yelling the fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. And, like, I remember my fucking whole head hurt and I'm sweating and just, like, falling apart. But, like, and, and when I wrote about it in the book, this is how, like, much I was just like gone in the song. I didn't remember that Evan was there. He was on stage yelling with me for that song. I didn't honestly know that until someone else mentioned it. I'm like, wait, shit. Oh God. And so I rewrote him back into the second version of the book. Cause I forgot that shit. I was like, so just wrapped into that. The shit that I was grappling with on this record is exactly like that kind of serious 
fucking just hard shit that I felt that night in that show. And so I didn't necessarily, I wasn't, I wasn't playing punk rock that night, but like that energy is totally like the kind of thing that I was trying to capture with this shit. Because when, when you're in New Mexico and I'm, you know, calling Kellen going like, I I don't know what I'm doing. I've just done like nine tours in a row and I think it's, you know, it's affecting my marriage and I don't know what to do. And like, you know, and then I have fucking, you know, three family members die in a row this year and just like all, all this shit that like, wh- how do you put that into words? How do you put that into words? It's a fucking feeling and that's what this record is and that's why it's squalor and that's why it's all fucked up and dark because I feel like you have to just face that shit head on and hit it with a fucking sledgehammer. And I don't know. That's that's what the album's about to me. Getting all that gross shit out and not being afraid of it, not being afraid to say it, and not being afraid to put it in writing and hope that no one gets mad at you for saying it. <laughs> yeah, we made some real shit. I'm excited to uh, go and shove it in some people's faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I will, I guess, end this by saying that Squalor comes out on January 13th. It was recorded here at Take 92, so it'll be coming out via Take 92. And also we're lucky enough to have Crush Kill backing us up on this, which I did not expect. Did you know that? Did we talk about this? We did. Okay. Very okay. briefly, yes. Yeah. So... So thanks to Brady and um, love you, Kathy. I don't think you knew about this though. So that, yeah, that's cool just to have a little bit more support behind a band that hasn't performed in nine years. Yes. And in a different part of the country. Cause I, I hit him up and I was like, look, I just want you to know I'm, I'm not going to be focused on rap for the next few months. He's like, well, can I hear it? I want it. I was like, you want it? He's like, yeah, I want it. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, well, I guess this rec- this label did kind of start off as, you know, ideas, rock band and, you know, weird side projects and stuff. So, you know, I guess it kind of fits. We're going to do a little West Coast tour to uh, support the record before I go off and do another leg of rare form dates. So fucking looking forward to it. Street Like Cardiacs is back together as well, which... Uh, no one knows or cares about either of these bands. I feel like us or them, unless you were there fucking 10 years ago. And then it's the shit, you know, (laughs) like I think this whole thing is, uh, is super cool for anyone who was around, you know, in the Oregon punk rock, hardcore scene a long time ago, you know, and, uh, a lot of those people have gone different ways. And we don't we don't get to play music together anymore. And and also, if anybody's a fan of the fucking illusionists, because still when I travel around, people ask me about the illusionists, and they're like, "Where's Evan, man?" I'm like, "Well, Evan's fucking at work today. I don't know. You know, I don't know. He's not. He's probably on the couch with his puppy. Not he's not. He's not. He's not hiding in the van. I could text him if you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's not here right now. But me and Evan are going to be back on the road again. And this is exactly how we met, was not in the same band playing fucking punk shows, DFS and Streetlights. So I think it's going to be fucking badass with their, like, you know, crazy rancid shit and our little more hardcore shit. Like, there's going to be some energetic-ass shows, especially for a bunch of old dudes who haven't got to do this in a long time. Like, (laughs) I'm really looking forward to it. Um, So... Check out the Squalor Tour January 13th through 22nd. And I guess I'll leave them with another new song. I don't know what to play. You know what? Yeah. Fuck it. We talked about it. We talked about it. Let's, let's leave it with Blank Check because we were talking about a song that we didn't necessarily want to put out first. But if you've listened this far, you know what we sound like. So here's Blank Check. Thank you guys so much for listening. Right before I get to the song, as usual, I just wanted to say my gratitude, and I'm so excited about this record. If you can't tell already, it means the world to me. I've been building toward this for 
18 years, however fucking long I've been doing this, I don't know, but it's something that I'm so proud of. It felt so good to get on stage the other night, right after this interview, and I can't wait to take this shit on the road. Here's Blank Check. <laughs>